Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Psalms 105, and we're going to jump down to verse 16. And so the scripture says, verse 16, when he summoned a famine on the land and broke all the supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead. Everyone say, he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were, were hurt with fetters, and his neck was put into a collar of iron. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. And the king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. That's what Joseph, that's what his his destiny was. Joseph's destiny was to, one day he was going to be called by God to go to Egypt during a time of famine and give them the principles necessary to keep them through that seven years of famine. They needed a man who understood how to govern, how to uh, have strategy, and, and how to understand the purpose of why he's even there. He understood it wasn't about him. It was about the, bigger, the greater cause. He needed to try to manage everything and lead people so he can see lives saved during that seven years of famine. Prior to that was seven years of prosperity. The years of prosperity was given to them so they could learn Oh, actually, it was given to them so they can use that to prepare for the seven years of famine. Many times when God blesses us, the best thing we can do is not to waste what God has given us, but to be good stewards of it. The truth is, everything that you have, from, from finances to your talents to every, everything you have, you're nothing more than a steward of that. I'm a steward of the talents God has given me. I don't own them. God's given me gifts. God's given you gifts. But the key to doing what God wants you to do and being successful at it it is stewardship. So people have asked me before, and our staff has asked me, how do I find my purpose in life, and how do I go in the direction I'm supposed to go in? Let me begin by saying this. Number one, It was God's dream, not Joseph's. It was God's dream for Joseph, not his. That is the key to understanding the life of Joseph. I've taken his his life. We We could have taken David's life. We could have taken Daniel's life. We could have taken even the Lord's life. And we could use it as a template for our lives. When you read the Bible, you have to understand you're not just reading a book of history. You're reading a book that has been carefully put together by men led by the Spirit of God that have put accurate stories in here concerning how God worked in the lives of men and women. 
So when you look at the life of Joseph, we use it as a template for ministry or for callings. Everyone has a ministry. Everyone has a ministry. Ministry really is a fancy word for serve. And when you're given a position, you're really just giving a designated area to serve. So never let a title get to your head. More or less, allow titles to get away from you and embrace the towels of servanthood. Whenever you decide and realize that whatever God has placed inside of you isn't for yourself, it's for others, that's the key. But when God began to work in Joseph's life, he gave him a dream. He gave him direction. He was so excited about it. We look at Joseph's life. Joseph was uh, the, the son of, you know, who had a coat of many colors. He was already favored by his father, by his parents, and, and now he's been given direction in his life. Have you ever received direction from God, and then all of a sudden you feel like you wanted to share with people, thinking that their response would be the same as yours? Have you ever felt that God has a calling for you, and you shared that calling with somebody, or you felt direction in your life? And then when you shared it with them, you thought, man, they're going to be so excited and happy for me, but you almost felt a little bit of jealousy. Even if you had a job promotion or got a new job, you share with everybody and they think you're bragging. Oh, me down. Thanks, he's bad. I can't believe it. Whatever. I like celebrating with people. I love celebrating with people. I know, to me, if God did it for them, he could do it for me also. And I'm going to enjoy their season because my season's coming too. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, got jealous. They were jealous, and they came against him. Now, here's the point I want you to write down. The first point was, it was God's dream. So God, if it's God's dream that he gave to Joseph, right? How many of you can agree with that? Joseph just didn't imagine this or concoct it with his own feelings and, and his own notes from his own life from a child. He was given that by divine intervention. Joseph had an experience. God gave him a drink. It came straight from God. And that was God's way of saying, Joseph, this is what I have for you. How many of you have dreams from God right now? You have dreams from God. You know God gave you a dream. Or you know God put something in your spirit. You know there are desires that are there, a burden for something. Joseph didn't know the full spectrum of everything that was going to take place. But in his life, he was so excited, he shared it with everyone. I'm going to say a little bit of pride there. A lot of zeal, not enough wisdom. But he was so excited, he shared it with all. But look at God. He didn't know this. God was going to send him to Egypt. He didn't know how he was going to get there or how he's going to get to his destiny. He really, didn't, he really didn't even know it was Egypt. He just knew that God said, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you great, and your brothers are going to honor you. Your father's going to honor you. They're going to bless you and honor you, and your sheaves are going to be bigger than theirs, and your life is going to be so favored, and he didn't know how that was going to happen. But the Scripture says... The word of the Lord tried Joseph. What that means is, after 
you have received a promise from God, write this down, after you have received a promise from God, that promise is obligated to test you. After you have received a promise from God, that promise is obligated to test you. Why? Because you have to be prepared where you're going. So the Lord said, the Bible says, and, and uh, the Scripture says in verse 105 in that same chapter, it said that God sent a man. The whole purpose for Joseph's life was based around a future catastrophic event that was going to happen in the world, and he was going to send a man named Joseph there. Now, had God told Joseph it was going to be in Egypt, he probably would have started packing his bags. He probably would have started heading that way, called for an Uber, <laughs> right? I mean, we think everything's easy. In our world today, we just call for an Uber. No car, no problem. I'll get where I need to go. If you knew God had a destiny for you, probably some of you would have jumped the mark before the gun went off. That's why God doesn't let you know everything up front. He gives it to you one piece at a time. Why? Because in our humanity, we'll mess it up and get to our destination before God can develop the character that's going to sustain our promise. A lot of people want promises, but they don't want processes. Process is very important. Write that down. Process is very, very important. Emphasize on importance. So God said he was going to send Joseph to Egypt. What Joseph didn't know, he wasn't going to take it by a caravan. He was going to take it in the way of a pit, being sold into slavery, being falsely accused in Potiphar's house, and thrown into prison before he gets there. That's what, that was God's way. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But do you know that every one of the problems and issues you've ever faced in your life was meant to do nothing more than develop you and make you stronger? Take a deep breath. You've got life in your lungs. It's not over. Whatever was trying to kill you, destroy you, didn't do it. You're still here. You're still alive. You're still in the will of God. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. So you have to ask yourself this question. God was taking Joseph the long route on the road less traveled. Ask yourself this question. What is your hurry? This is what God told me to ask someone tonight. What is your hurry? Why are you in a rush? That's like the business idea that you get sometimes. I know this is men, probably more men than women. Well, maybe the same. You get an invention. You get this idea, and you talk to your spouse. You talk to your friend. I had this great idea. I don't think anybody's doing it yet. And you pull out your phone, and you start looking and searching on Google. Did anybody come up with a weed eater that picks up trash and that can, <laughs> right, fertilize the grass at the same time? I mean, you think of these ideas and you're feeling like, oh, my God, i got to do this before somebody else does. Here's the good part about the kingdom. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. What God has for you, the devil, the world, and no one else can take it from you. 
the gifts and the calling of God, listen to the scripture, are without repentance. I've had people come up to me throughout the years and said to me, yeah, I, I, um, I used to be called. God called me to the ministry one time. Really? Yeah, but I just sat on it and didn't do anything with it. And really? Yeah. I don't know if I can ever be called. I stop them right there. I've heard this many times. Number one, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You didn't miss nothing. God is eternal no matter how old you are. Moses was 80 years old before he got it right. Because if God called you, then you still got the call in your life. Maybe you just misjudged that calling. It's like the story. Here's what you got. This was why you have to get your ego in check. There was a farmer that was out there plowing the fields. And while he was plowing the, plowing the fields, he was praying over the field and just asking God to bless. And he looked up in the sky and he saw clouds. And the clouds formed into a P and the other one formed into a C. And he says, oh, my God. I'm called into ministry. God's telling me to go preach Christ. And that farmer got so excited, and he got out there, and he just sold all his property, and he went to his neighbors and said, I'm, I'm, God's called me into ministry. They're so happy for him because they thought, you know, God's called into ministry. A guy ought to know when he's called. And then he started going out there, putting his name out, thinking that it was going to be attractive, that people were going to want him and he made, you know, whatever necessary, whatever was necessary to try to make those network connections. And by the way, God is the one who makes connections like that. God is the one who network, networks you with people that you need to be networked with. Don't politic. Don't try to do anything that's going to try to promote you. Promotion comes from the Lord. And, and so this farmer went out and he tried getting a few churches to preach at. And he had his first, first revival. He got up there and he stuttered so bad. He missed the mark. He was all over the place. Word got out that maybe he wasn't called. He just had a hard time, and nothing was working out. Nothing was working out. He prayed so much, fasted so much. Finally, he went to an elder. He went to, a, he went to an older preacher that had been doing it for years. And he asked him, he said, why isn't things working out for me? I'm trying to do this. I'm doing that. Nothing's opening up. He said, well, tell me your story. He said, I mean, I was out in the field, and I was plowing the field. And I looked up in the sky, and I saw a P and a C. And I knew God called me to preach Christ. And the elder preacher looked at him and said, son, God didn't call you to preach Christ. He was trying to tell you plant corn. <laughs> you missed it. But when he was farming, things were going well for him. You understand? Things were flowing. Things were coming together. Listen, but you see, if he was doing what God had called him to do, he could have prospered in that area, and then God could have used him to bless the world. It's a ministry. No matter where you're at, it is a ministry. If you're making a difference in someone's life and you're able to be in a place of influence, it is ministry. If you're able to be a light to the world in that position, have more influence than you would trying to do something else, it's effective and it's a ministry, and God will bless you there. When God has called you, 
and you feel like opposition is coming against you, you have to realize from the very beginning it was God's will, and God confirmed it. God opened up doors. God started doing everything necessary. Then when you have it settled in your spirit after much prayer, after much, much time spent with him, and a number one factor, knowing what the will of God is, write this down, is the peace of God. The peace of God. But there are times when you're doing this when peace doesn't happen. The peace is tested, and there are troubles. But God is taking you through the very beginning of a season of confirmation, always. So when troubles come, you don't give up because you know the direction of God. For that preacher or that farmer, nothing worked out from the very beginning. It just wasn't making any sense. Then he knew. Got to pull some things back sometimes. Go back to where God called you. Go back to what God was doing from the very beginning. Because in there, you'll find peace. Listen, no matter what the platform, no matter where you're at, you want to be where God has brought peace into your family. God brings peace into your business. God puts peace into your spirit. And all is well with your soul between you and God. You'll never have everyone agree with you, no matter what your calling is or what your purpose is. But as long as you're a God-pleaser, don't ever worry about trying to please men or women. It's about pleasing God. So God sent, God sent Joseph. When he sent Joseph, he sent him through some trials. <laughs> That's a route we probably wouldn't take if it was our choice, right? We would have chosen an easy route. Things get better. The purpose is, because point number two, is that the promise has to develop your character before it's fulfilled. The promise has to develop your character before it's fulfilled. God had a great plan for Joseph, but Joseph wasn't ready. God had a great plan for David, but David wasn't ready. David had to first go through rejection of his leadership. He had to have a javelin thrown at him at the dinner table. He had to be exiled from the, from the city. He had to be an outcast before God can raise him up as a king because he had to die out to his former reputation, his self. We have so much pride in our names and what we've accomplished and what we've done. But you know that even Jesus, when he came into this world, he, the Scripture said he made himself of no reputation. That means he wasn't trying to please anybody but the Father. And they called him all kinds of names. God wants to remake your identity. Ultimately, until you get to a place where you fear no one but God, you respect no one, you respect everyone and love everyone, because God's called you to, because you have a love of God inside of you. I almost say you don't respect anybody, but you have to respect people. You have to love people. That's character. That's character. When you are in the will of God, there is a process, because God does not call anybody, anyone, to mediocrity. No one. If you want to live a life of mediocrity, that is your choice. But God is a very big God. God has a very big dream for you. God has a very big plan for you. And don't rush it, but just be obedient and see it fulfilled one step at a time. And you're going to have your pits. A pit was Joseph's training. Pit, P-I-T, to me, stands for prophet in training. Joseph became a prophet. 
He was fixing to go into training. He had to be rejected by his own family. He had to be thrown and slowed into slavery that tried to bring down his value. This is where you know what the will of God is because hell always speaks opposite of what God plan is, really is for your life. How do you know what God's will is? Sometimes the devil just gives it away. He'll lie to you. You have to know the voice of God. Know the voice of God. God's voice comes with love. God's voice comes with peace. God's voice comes with wisdom. God's voice makes sense, and it becomes a win-win for everyone, and there's harmony in that. But whenever you feel troubled, you feel fear, you feel things are happening, and you feel this feeling of just being degraded or your value has been knocked down, that's how you know what God is really saying about you also because hell is a liar. The devil's a liar, and he's telling you opposite of what God is really trying to tell you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the moment Joseph got thrown into a pit, he should have known, boy, whatever, however deep this goes, I'm excited because the height goes the opposite direction. God's going to raise me up that much higher. It's like the rubber band effect. You take a rubber band, you pull a rubber band one way, it goes just as far the other way. It's like the root system in a tree. When you see the root system, you can't see it, but you want to know what it looks like. Look at the branches of a tree. More than likely, they're a mirror reflection of what the roots look like. What I'm saying to you is that the trouble you go through, everything you experience on the way to fulfilling God's destiny, you can never give up. Write that down. Never give up based on feelings. Never give up because of what you feel. And never give up because of what you see or don't see. Ever. You can never give up just because you feel like it's not happening or working out. Remember, the first part is you have to know you're climbing up the right wall of success. Success is being in the will of God. And don't associate that with anything else except that, being in the will of God. But when you feel that you're falsely accused of something, sometimes it's not what you're doing wrong because of bad things happening. Sometimes it's what you're doing right. Anything that will appeal to your flesh, let me speak very plainly, anything that will try to appeal to your lust, lust is not a bad four-letter word. Lust is a good word when you have God's desires in your heart. The scripture says that the Holy Ghost lusteth in us to envy. In other words, what that means is, is that the Spirit of God inside of us has a desire for us as well, and it looks at everything that we're choosing to fulfill our desire, and it says, the Spirit of God says, I wish they would choose me. That makes sense? Raise your hand if that's making sense. It means the Spirit of God calls you. The Spirit of God draws you. The Spirit of the Lord has a desire for you, and it puts a desire inside of you, and you start desiring the things of God. That's where the character gets involved. This is why David, when David was being prepared to be anointed, God said, I need a man. I Just give me a man. I don't care how tall he is. I don't care where he comes from. You know, just give me a man, a man after my own heart. It's a heart issue. 
You do what you do because God has placed it inside of you. And you do what you do because you're trying to please the Father. And you sacrifice what you sacrifice because God has called you to sacrifice like him. But great is your reward. Great is your reward. And you can't outgive God in any way. And if you take care of God's family, God will take care of your family. You take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Somehow, some way, you need to merge the two worlds that you live in. The world and the life that you live, always merge it with the kingdom of God and figure out how can my life be a blessing to God's kingdom. If you want God behind what you're doing, you have to put God's will in front of what you're doing. If you want God behind what you're doing, you have to make sure that God's will is in front of what you're doing. Number three, I have a lot more to say, but I'm going to try to keep it simple. Number three, are you enjoying this tonight? Okay, trying to help somebody. Number three, a dream has to die before it lives. This is the toughest part for all of us. I've learned throughout the years, and I'm sure some of you have learned as well, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. I learned when I was a, an assistant pastor, my, my first, first opportunity God gave me to serve in ministry as an assistant pastor, I love my pastor, and I'm still very good friends with him today. In fact, I'm still very good friends with all of my former pastors. I pray for them all the time. I called them during the holidays. I still thank them for praying for me when I was under their tutelage and their ministry. I, I, I just, I love ministry and respect ministry. But I learned some things while I was serving under another man. I realized that sometimes I had a wisdom for some things that he did. But I learned also that I didn't have the same anointing he had. And I learned that sometimes, even though I knew the answer to some things, that it wasn't my place to answer those questions. They were meant for somebody else. I knew my lane. I knew my position. I was there to be a blessing to him, not to politic, not to make people like me. I've said this before, but, man, I thought, because when we were in church, I mean, everybody loved us, right? We had a lot of friends, right? We'd make people laugh. We got into church. We had a lot of friends. It was great. Church is a wonderful thing, right? But when I became a pastor, I thought, oh, they're going to love me even more. That wasn't true. I think more people hate me now than they ever had loved me. Just kidding. There's more people that love me. I hope you love me. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, but anyhow. Well, you got to love me if you want to go to heaven, right? I don't like you. You got to love me, though. You want to go to heaven, you got to love me. So, so I learned that what the key was is that I had to lose my, my ambition. I felt called to preach, but I felt a ministry in my life. But it wasn't going to work if I kept on thinking about it while serving under my pastor. That isn't going to happen. What I had to do and realize was, just like some of you, that work for people who own other businesses. You're there to represent them. 
You're there as an extension of them. If they promoted you, it's because they trust you, and it's your responsibility to represent them and respect them and honor them because it's their business. I mean, you wouldn't walk into your job tomorrow and start making some executive decisions, right? Hey, everybody, guess what? I don't like that color green. Let's paint it to an orange. I saw this. Uh, this isn't funny, but it was kind of funny. I don't know. I saw this video of a, this poor guy was in, uh, in a shopping center. Some of you may have seen this on YouTube. This poor guy was in the chip aisle, and he was standing there behind some little stand of snacks that they have. You know, sometimes they have those stands that are there. This, this Latino man, this Mexican man, was standing there, in the shopping center, in the grocery store, standing right behind that scene, he was drinking a Budweiser. And for, right next to him was a six-pack of beer. And one of the workers come by, and the worker comes by and says, Sir, you can't be drinking here. You can't be drinking in the store. And the guy looked at him and said, Oh, you didn't hear? The owner gave this to me. He gave it to me. It's mine. Go tell him. Go get him. He'll tell you. Go get him. And I looked at that guy, and what the guy was doing, he argued with him forever, saying it was the boss, that it was the owner of the store that gave it to him, and he was sitting there, and the guy almost believed him for a second, it seemed like, and then he caught his snap and realized, hold on a second, the owner of this store wouldn't allow that to happen, right? That's out of character. It's not right. There are some people that have their own will, there are some people that have their own ways of doing things that not even God gave them permission to do it that way. Not even God would come in and do things a certain way. Let me explain it to you like this. The church is a hospital for the hurting. The church is not a country club. The church is a place for the lost and the dying. The church is a salvation station. The church is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe, just like the name of the Lord. There are some things that God has placed within the institution of the church that we all need to abide by. And here's the, here's the two things he asks us to do, to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. And the second one is to love our neighbor as ourselves. When you are trying to find out how this works, you have to lose your will and die to your own dream. I've said all that to say this, because there are certain things that we'll do because we want to do them. But what's your will and what's God's will? That's the real battle, the battle of the wills. That's what most people get locked up at their whole life. And they haven't learned what the church is here for. I'm going to tell you, the church is really also an institution of learning. It's here to help you. It's here to give you an opportunity to serve, to see your gifts develop. But when you're serving, you have to realize one thing. It's his church it's his church, but he's placed a man there. And I'm not just saying this to honk my own horn. 
but I have to say it because if I was here talking in another pastor's church, I would say this. You all have to realize that God has called that pastor to lead this church, and this is not a democracy where you come in. If you don't like something, you go call up the news station and tell them, I don't like what this pastor is doing here. I can't believe they're doing it that way. Listen, don't fight what God is doing in a church, because you don't come to a church to change the church. You come to a church to be changed. But if you don't like the way things are going, then you have to find a church that where you do, right? I don't want you to go anyplace. I just want to be honest with you and tell you, don't play yet. Yeah. Thank you. You have to figure out have to figure out that it's his way or the highway. See, I had to figure that out too. It, the same goes for me. It's his way or the highway. That's a tough saying, but it, it really is true. There are people that come into churches sometimes, boy, they don't like the way things are done. They think they need to be done differently. And, and they're judging you at a moment where you're still growing and still developing. You can never identify, listen, write this down. You can never compare where God has placed you to where you want to be because, you're, because of the process. You can never look at one place and go, oh, my God, they do it differently. You know, they do it differently here. It needs to be done this way, and we do it like this. Well, there's a reason why. They've been around for 20-something years, but they used to be where you're at right now. Don't look at somebody else, young, young couple. Don't look at somebody else and say, well, you know, they have that house, they live in that neighborhood, they drive that car. Yes, but they've had to work that many hours of overtime. They had to go through that many hours of education. They had to go through all of this paying off the debt. They had to learn how to budget. They had to learn how to get along first because you lose everything. What good is a house if you don't have a family, right? That's what makes a, house, a home, you know, a house a home is a family, the love that's inside the house. Forget about the brick and the mortar. Let's talk about the, the, the Bibles and the prayers and the, the real nuts and bolts that put these things together. It's about relationship, folks. And it may, you may go down a different road, but never compare your current circumstance with somebody else that's been doing it longer than you have or somebody else that you just seen go through the amount of time and process of development before they got there. Because either way, let me see if I can explain this correct to you. I feel it. You have two people, one that's been prepared like Joseph and another who has bypassed the process, never went through a pit, never went through Potiphar's house, never went into prison, just went straight to their position thinking they had it all together. This one may have gotten there faster by politics. This is just an example I'm throwing out there. Hypothetical. The other person may have gotten there faster by politicking, but this one has substance. And when he gets there, it may take him longer, but when he gets there, he's going to last longer. The other one, I promise you, I've seen it time and time again, won't last. Everyone has to go through the fire. Everyone has to go through the floodwaters. Everyone has to go through the trials. Your dreams have to die. Here's what the good news is. The Lord said that 
except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it, can, it cannot produce much fruit. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. A ministry is a seed. A promise is a seed. And until you have left and got your hands off of it and focused on what God wants you to do, promise you, I promise you this, what you make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for you. Got that? You can clap. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. <laughs> I say that because I heard somebody giving a clap. They were it built up for a little bit, then it, it went back down. <laughs> if you want to clap in this church, clap your hands. I don't care what anybody thinks. Don't care about what anybody else thinks. Clap your hands to God. He's worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy. So, thank you. That was very kind of you. So, there... <laughs> There, there is something to be realized. My pastors taught me, they always said this to me, and I'm so thankful for it. I love to serve. I, I, I loved being what they called an armor bearer. I loved being a second man. I'm telling you what, I, before we ever started this church, I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I was trying to cancel out the idea that God was giving me. I told the Lord, I know what my wife and I have to offer. If somebody's doing what you're asking me to do already, I'm not too proud, Lord, to just join them and help them grow something great. And I did that, and I tried finding it. But I went to a conference one year out of town, and this, this man of God saw me walking in who didn't know me. He said, he said, sir, after the service, he said, sir, he said, can you come here for a second? And I said, yes, sir. He looked at me, and he goes, I saw you walking into church, and I saw you uh, with the mantle of a town called Victoria trying to wrap itself around you. But when you walked in, you kept shrugging it off and shrugging it off. The Lord said, stop shrugging off your calling. I've called you to that city to start a church. No more questions. No more questions because when, when, when God hunts you down, and listen, you got to be wanted. You have to be want to be found. You know, If you don't want God to find you, don't worry. You can stay in the bush like Adam did. You can feel naked and feel his grace off your life. You know, uh, his mercy will never leave you, but you know, there's an anointing that's there that you have to choose to embrace to clothe you with righteousness and to clothe you with something that he gives you majestically to feel your priesthood and your royalhood that's in your veins that gives you confidence to come out and commune with him. You can hide from God, but you, but you can never be lost. You understand what I'm saying by that, right? I'm saying lost from his sight. He knows where you're at all the time. But you have to be sensitive and know it's not about me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give up what I feel like I have. And I'm going to pick up what some God has placed in the person that God's placed me under. Here's what my pastors told me. They said, Bobby, because you've been so good to us and obedient, you've never given us a hard time, you always just serve and you're always willing, God is going to send you the same kind of men to be under you. And it has come to pass and it's true. It is true. I have such great help. God's blessed with a wonderful family. There are great men and women in this church that bless us and help us and do what God's called us to do. But how you treat your now is what you'll get in your next. Yeah. Promise you. I promise you. 
Whatever, you have scripture for that? Yes, I do. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. God isn't mocked, folks. I got that backwards, but you know what I'm saying. God isn't mocked. It is going to happen. It's going to come to pass. I feel like I hear keys. Not yet. I'll tell you when. It's only 8.14. Y'all doing okay? If you're doing okay, give God some praise one more time. Come on. Take a breath in. I know we do a lot of clapping here, don't we? Okay. So I pastored under my pastor, and I got guidelines from him, and he gave me direction, and I followed him to the T. And I went the extra mile. When my bosses were there, when I worked out at the plant, I worked out as an IE technician out there at the plant at South Texas Electric Co-op, and I thank God for that plant, and thank God for my bosses, but I had the best boss. He would let me, uh, he would give me the time off I needed to help build the church, and I worked a full-time job for three years while I pastored this church and never took a salary from the church. I say that all the time because I, I want you to know that nothing comes without paying a price. Nothing. David wouldn't even take something that was offered to him to offer up to God as a sacrifice without paying for it because he said, I'd never give God anything that didn't cost me nothing. So you have to be willing to pay a price for things sometimes, folks. It's a heart issue. It's, it's a thing that will go a long ways in the long run. But when I left my job, my boss, actually, I never thought I'd see the day because this guy was a ranch hand. He was a tough man. Gentle as can be, but tough. And he cried. He said, you've always been obedient. You, and you never argued with me. You never I asked you to do something. You'd always do it. You were never too proud to do things. And I didn't realize all that stuff. I was just trying to be a Christian. I was just trying to be good. Now, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm bragging about myself, but, but you know, I, I have to be honest with you and tell you that, that these things are true. You know, these things are right. You have to know that if you choose to take a, and be humble, God will raise you up. God will make sure that you, 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 you stay on, on the right path and that doors are never going to be shut in front of you that were never meant for you to be open to you. And when God called me to this church full time, he, he told me, I, you're never going to be without. And we haven't. But it had not been in, in God's will. I want you to understand something. We don't pastor this church, and my, we, don't, we don't do this just because we think we have a talent or we feel like we have charisma, our personality, our business sense. We do it because God called us to do it. We can be doing a lot of other things, folks. My kids and family and whoever else, and I mean, people that you see serving, they can be doing a lot of things but they chose to come to God's house, put in the time and the practice. They choose it because they're doing it for him. We're building a church. We're building a place where people can come and get saved and lives can be changed. I think we've got four more baptisms signed up this week, I think. I think we've got more people that are wanting to dedicate their children and we already had so many baptisms this past month, and people are getting saved, and people are getting, uh, getting their prayer language and getting filled with the Spirit also, and it's amazing what God is doing right now. But it's only because we're trying to do what He wants, right? 
So, so I dropped my dreams, and I asked to die. And when I did that, then God started blossoming, and God fulfilled his dream for my life. And that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph, what the last stage of his life was, is that he had a gift in him. And the baker, right, and the butler, they forgot about him. And he, he, he was operating in the gifts, and they forgot about him. And then, all of a sudden, when problems got bigger and, and the issue was at hand and, and Pharaoh had a dream, they remembered Joseph, and then they called him up when they needed someone to come. Almost like a, a, a baseball game when, when the bases are loaded, right? You find your Babe Ruth to bring them all in, right? Joseph was the Babe Ruth. Joseph was the guy. Joseph was the one who they called in, and, they, and, and the young man said, I know someone. I bet, you in a, I bet you that Joseph had already forgotten about it. I bet you he'd forgotten about the dream. I bet you he was just there. He was just content in that moment. He was doing the best thing that he can do. And then all of a sudden, one day, one day, say this with me, one day, one day, one day a door opened up that came in the form of a problem. And Joseph knew the answer to that problem because he had faced that problem before. You see, all the problems you are facing in your life are going to lead to one problem that's going to open up the door for you because you have been pliable, teachable, and you learn how to grow in those seasons of development. And when the time comes, you may be like a David facing a Goliath. No problem because he already had a lion and a bear, right? You may be a Joseph who comes to a famine that thinks to himself, how am I going to get out of this? But he already learned how to get out of a pit, out of a Potiphar's house, and out of prison. Potiphar's house was no choice, but the prison was. He learned how to do it by walking with God. That's how he learned how to do it. Let me close with this statement here tonight. Let me close with this. Here's what I want you to remember. Joseph had tremendous favor because he did his best when no one was watching. This is what brings favor in your life is what you do in secret. God rewards you openly. Don't worry about whether or not I see you or your boss sees you at work or somebody else sees you. Hold on a second. God sees everything. And he knows he knows everything. I don't see any changes with my, in my marriage or in my children. Hold on a second. Keep on praying. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't get discouraged. God is going to answer your prayers. God is going to fulfill your destiny. I just so, I'm so tired of going through this same process. I'm tired of working on this job. I'm tired of working in this field. Do the best thing you can do in that moment. Let me tell you why. Don't expect God to give you a new job if you can't be the best employee at the old one. I want God to bless me financially, but don't expect God to bless you financially if you can't be a good steward of the 10% of the former income. That, that's just a fact. We are stewards of it. That money don't belong to you anyways. It belongs to God. <laughs> I promise you, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. He's just letting you borrow it for a while. Because one of these days, you're going to trade it all in for streets of gold one day. One of these days, you're going to live in a house that's made out of jewels and made out of metals you never even heard of. Transparent trees and rivers. And 
It's eternity and it's called forever. Forever with him. Your labor's not in vain. Whatever you do for him is not going to go unrewarded. It's not about you and I. It's about a greater purpose. Joseph was called to make be the person for the hour to bring Egypt and Israel out of a famine. The deeper the pit, the longer the prison time, the bigger the blessing, the bigger the anointing. The bigger the giant is, the harder he falls. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. The deeper the valley, you understand what I'm talking about, the higher the mountain. And you can see some things clearly from that mountain. It's a process. Start where you're at. Start serving someplace. Go to your job tomorrow and be the best employee you can be with the best attitude. Treat that business like it's your own and clean it like it's your own. Manage manage your time like it belongs to him. David was recognized later on by a handmaiden that belonged to Saul because David was playing an instrument, a harp. He would play it soulfully. He would play it with an anointing in a private place, maybe a family gathering. I don't know. But a little servant girl heard him one day, and when the king asked for someone who can play skillfully because he had a bad spirit that was bothering him, the little handmaiden said, I know of a man who can play, and the Lord is with him because she felt him in his place. He was just doing all that he knew how to do with all of his heart. But then one day, he got called to go minister to Saul. What a door of opportunity. That's where it all began, everybody. It began with his worship. We think that it's going to come through the fight. It wasn't. He got rewarded for the fight. You have your spoils when you fight battles. He became a tax-free man. He got the king's daughter, and he was blessed. but it was when he knew how to worship and minister that got him into the role of being an armor bearer that set him up for kingship, for his destiny. It's going to be your worship that gets you there and nothing else. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.